0: Welcome to She Illuminated. I'm Jana Fuchs, a licensed clinical psychotherapist and sole coach for burnt out women and moms looking to take control of their stress and say hello to a more joyful life. I'm also a mom to two incredible young humans, one of whom is autistic. Together, we will dive into real, raw, and messy conversations about intuition, vulnerability, and the resilience of the human spirit. We all deserve the gift of connection to ourselves and to our lives. So let's spend a little time together here, and perhaps we can walk through the rest of this day feeling just a bit more greatly illuminated. Let's go. Everyone, welcome to episode five of She Illuminated. Can I just first please express my gratitude to you all and my delight in co creating this podcast with you all? And when I say co creating, I mean that many of you have personally reached out to me either through my Instagram or email with your feedback. Ideas and support. And I love collaboration because I truly believe that we can manifest bigger and brighter ideas together than we could ever do alone. And that collective action is 1 million percent necessary if we're ever going to shift the consciousness of this planet. So, from the bottom of my heart, my feet my toes. Thank you, dear listeners. Also, if you have an idea that you haven't shared with me yet for an episode or a personal story that you feel could help somebody else, don't be shy. Seriously, I'm open to your ideas, and I definitely encourage you to either send me a message at www.sheilluminated.com or DM me on Instagram, and that's at Jana Fuchs Coaching. Sidebar, for those of you who don't know yet, I've recently expanded the depth and breadth of what I do, and I now offer coaching specifically for high-functioning, burnt-out moms who are ready to kick the shit out of their burnout and say hello to more me time. And I promise I'll elaborate on that more in upcoming episodes, so stay tuned. And Finally, if you've listened to two or more episodes and you have found them worth your while, I'd be so appreciative if you could take one minute of your busy, busy time to rate and review the show. I pour my heart and my soul and a ton of time into creating the content for each episode, so it means a lot. And for those of you who have never rated or reviewed a show, all you have to do is scroll down to the bottom of the screen that first comes up when you go to listen to the show and you'll see the words ratings and reviews, then click on the number of stars you wish to give, scroll down for a half a second after those written reviews to where it says, write a review and now you can write yours. So easy. Okay, moving on to today's episode. Have you ever felt like your body is screaming at you or that whatever you're doing just isn't sustainable for your nervous system anymore? Maybe you've been to the doctor and you were told that you need to make some changes to your lifestyle and or your psychological health. And We all hear the term all the time, mind-body connection, right? But what is it actually? And why is it really important for us to understand? As a psychotherapist and women's burnout coach, I'm here to tell you that this stuff is real. The body takes on what the mind doesn't want to feel or needs to push away for whatever reason. In fact, your body has a paired physiological response for every single emotion it feels. Isn't that wild when you really stop to think about that? So why do we often think as the mind and the body as separate from one another? They have a very strong And direct relationship. The goal is to learn to listen to what your body is trying to tell you when your brain doesn't really want to acknowledge what's actually going on for you. Hello, defense mechanisms. And then you can begin to make some small incremental and sustainable changes. Super simple to do, right? Mm, Maybe not on your own, If the sound of identifying and making these changes overwhelms you, don't worry, I get it, I've got your back. Today's guest will surely shed some light for you on the mind-body connection, and without further ado, let me tell you just a little bit about who this person is. Jessica Turney is a certified integrative nutrition health coach. She takes a holistic approach to help busy women improve their health and their well-being in various ways by tackling their sugar cravings, boosting mood and energy, balancing hormones, overcoming brain fog, addressing skin health, gut health, digestive issues, and more. I could use Jessica. By the way, I'm like, I don't know, maybe like nine out of 10 of these. (laughs) In addition to one on one coaching, Jess also runs a blog and works with corporate clients doing recipe development, content creation, and supporting employee wellness initiatives. Jessica's a proud Californian, currently residing in Chicago with her husband and two young kids. Prior to her career in the wellness space, Jessica worked in media and tech, including almost eight years at LinkedIn. You can also learn more through her Instagram page and health coaching website. Okay, I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here's my interview with Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. I know that we have been awaiting this day now for several weeks and I feel so lucky that I get to share you with the world. So, let's let's start diving in. Today, I want to ask you all about the mind-body connection, women's health, and how what you do is both a personal both has personal meaning to you. Um, and, but it has personal meaning to you because you help so many people to link the things that maybe they hold like in separate areas. Um, yeah, you know, they, they, they they conceptually understand like, yes, the mind body connection is is a thing or they've heard it's a thing, but they don't quite understand how, and that's where you come in. So let's start with that. So. It's kind of a buzzword, right? And we hear it all the time. The mind-body connection. And different people have different interpretations. Some people worship the idea. Others roll their eyes. (laughs) And then there's everyone in between who kind of get it, but again, like don't know the actions to implement, to better align their minds with their body. And so how would you define or describe the the term.
1: Yeah. um, And I can totally relate to being in the camp of either rolling your eyes or just not understanding it at all, because I would say that's where I was for the majority of my life until, you know, even as I got into health and wellness, I was so focused for the first eight years or so on all the physical dimensions of well-being and you know like toxins and nutrition and it's only honestly like COVID was a very formative experience for me to really understand and appreciate how much it all works together so like I've got some examples I want to share but I mean they all kind of start to inter you know be interwoven at one point or another um but how do I define it I don't know if I have a great definition for it to be honest but I think it's irrefutable (laughs) that's like that's my that's my answer I think um it's so it's so backed by science and there are so many, um, I don't want to say levers necessarily, but so many different uh, ways that the mind-body connection can be like manifested in your life or or, or you know, experienced by an individual. I jotted down 10 <laughs> off the top mm-hmm. of my head um, and we can get into some of those. but one of the first things that comes to mind is hormones. <laughs> So I can do if you want. I can share. Preach. Yeah, that. please. Lighten up. Um, just at a very basic level, you know, our thoughts have um, like a physical manifestation in our body. Our thoughts um, trigger hormones. So um, that's like a very, you know, straightforward example. Um, and just to kind of take it a level deeper, there is a hormone called uh, pregnenolone, which just. Really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I had to say that like ten times before I could say it properly. Um, but that is a mother hormone, is what it's called. It is a precursor hormone to things like estrogen, testosterone, DHEA, um, cortisol, all like all kinds of important like sex hormones that we think of. And being a precursor hormone means that if our stress level is really high, we're going to use up a big chunk, if not all, of that pregnenolone to make cortisol because we make cortisol when we are in trouble in fight or flight. And if we need to, you know, the classic example of like running from the saber tooth tiger, um, if we need to get out of danger, like our body is going to prioritize keeping us alive and getting us to safety. And so it's very logical that it would then downregulate the sex, you know, the sex hormones, like if that, if we don't have time for that, that's okay. Like what needs to happen is getting out of danger. And so, you know, in an example like that, great. But if you are living in a constant state of anxiety and fear and high stress, like that is how your thoughts can really have an impact on your physical well-being. And right. then you can see how things like stress and infertility are highly correlated. Um, an example that uh, a doctor I follow named Dr. Anna Kubeka is a, she wrote a book called The Hormonal Fix that was really enlightening for me. She, um, she tragically lost a child when he was 18 months old and a drowning (sighs) accident, and um, she went through menopause. She went through early (sighs) menopause as a result of what, that's like what heartache can do to you. And I, you know, it's, um, and she, she ended up actually like healing herself and having another child, which is what she really wanted. But, um, you know, that's just one example of how our hormones are, uh, you know, our, our thoughts, are, are not just, um, you know, these fleeting things that come and go, but if we're in a, in a constant state of stress and again, also our body doesn't differentiate between physical and emotional distress, you mm-hmm. know, like we're no. not, we're meant to be able to get out of danger. Um, but we're not really meant to live in a chronic state of stress. So you can see how, um, and then, and that's just one example of, you know, an imbalance of cortisol has a whole other cascade of, you know, different, Effects on the body, but that's that's one example.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if if you're constantly running around, feeling as if you are in a state of emergency, exactly. um, and I will say, I'll speak for myself, but you know, raising little ones and one of whom has you know special needs, there's a lot of kind of um, vigilance as a parent that comes into play, uh, you know, it's getting better now that the kids are getting older, but especially right when they were young and you're just like trying to prevent them from, you know, getting their fingers stuck in something they shouldn't have put it in or, you know, running out into the street and you catch them at a second's notice, right? right? Um, like when you're con- when you're regularly kind of like living in that state, yeah, it can have detrimental effects to the body, right? Right. Um,
1: And then you add on just, like, the societal pressures and all the other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, on that note, too, something that's – it's, I don't know if it's necessarily along the topic of the mind-body connection, but this is something that I learned from Dr. Kabeca that uh, I understood really intuitively as a parent um, because I think it's, like, the hardest thing ever. Um, but I, I always said like, but you get the best ever, you know, it's like both the hardest and the sweetest, most precious, wonderful experience. And that's, um, when she talks about the hierarchy of hormones, she talks about cortisol and, and, you know, all the detrimental effects of too much cortisol and being in a state of, you know, constant vigilance. The antidote to cortisol is oxytocin. And it's feeling good. And, like, that makes so much sense as a parent. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, even think back yeah. to those newborn days where, like, you know, you're worried about them sleeping through the night and all the other things that you worry about. And then they're just on your chest and
0: you're just, like, like this This has to be the antidote. Like, it's, it's nature designed it that way. Yeah. Well, and – I think about getting my kids ready for bedtime, right? And by the time that comes, I am exhausted from my work day and doing the dishes for the millionth time that day and then telling them for the 10,000th time to brush their teeth and put on their PJs. And, but then, right, when I'm, when I have like fumes, right, at the end of the day, and then I cut, I climb in bed for Mm -hmm. snuggles and stories. To me, it's like mm, like the smell of their, you know, freshly washed hair and their body, and I just I that really resonates what you just said because it yeah. it is it feels like the antidote yeah. to all of the, you know, the rat race of being totally. a, a mother. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and
1: um, sorry, not, I I've got so much I want to say about mind, that body connection. Yeah. But to like just keep on this tangent. The other thing, um about that that I talk about with my clients and I had to learn myself is that like because of that joy and like pursuing things that feel good just for the sake of feeling good is a worthwhile thing to do and I think those are the things that we often deprioritize and are like Mm -hmm. the last on our list because of all the other shoulds and it's like you know it's kind of a nice to have in our minds of like joy or pleasure and actually like if stress is one of our biggest challenges to our body to, you know, I mean, that's so many diseases. It's there. It's, it's, it is such a huge threat to us that, that kind of stress, um, pursuing joy and pleasure, even just for the sake of it. And how just the, the benefits that has for our health is like,
0: is a yeah. real thing. So
1: I also try and help people like, yeah, get into that a little bit more too.
0: Yeah yeah well, thank you for for saying that because I think and I, I talk about this a lot with with my clients, it is often the last thing, and women have a tendency to take on more than they can realistically um, handle without feeling incredibly stressed. Um, And it's because I, you know, I have a whole tangent on that, but I think we are like systematically kind of um, raised and encouraged to be the nurturers. And um, a lot of us, I do think just naturally kind of are, um, are born that way, but um, yeah, like often to our detriment and protecting our, safeguarding our um, our boundaries with how much time we actually have so we can make sure that we carve out that time for joy. Um, and that's so important, not just for our mental health, but our physical bodies as yeah. well, right? right? Yeah. Okay. So this kind of like leads me to my next question. I'm not the biggest fan with my own clients of the word healthy because being healthy, can mean so many different things to different people depending on who you are and you know where you come from but i do also feel like there are some general like maybe loose but like general kind of guidelines that we can all live by to keep our minds and bodies fully optimal content and engaged so for you what does the word healthy mean yeah, and actually I feel the same way about the word like wellness lately. I've
1: gotten kind of a weird connotation. I'm starting to not use it very much. Um, so for me, healthy means uh, feeling good in my body and in my mind, just feeling good from a very holistic sense. Um, it also means that my body and mind, like not being held back from doing the things I want to do, either physically or mentally and emotionally. Um you know, that the, I, my, uh, you know, crippling anxiety can be as much of a kind of hold back as somebody who's physically unable to run after their children. And that was a story that somebody from my um, training program talked about that was like a big catalyst for her was, you know, I think she'd been struggling with her health for a long time, but the, um, the turning point of a big catalyst was when she couldn't keep up with her son. I think he was running in the street or something really scary happened. So, um, I guess those are kind of the two like big umbrella ideas. Yeah. Um, for me also, I think about, uh, I like to do regular blood work, and I think about trying to be optimal rather than normal. I mm. think it's important to know that a lot of our reference ranges when we're you know working with a doctor, especially a conventional doctor, are based just on the averages of a pretty sick population in the United States. Mm. Um, and so I try to work towards being optimal. And when something isn't, something doesn't feel good or something doesn't look good from that standpoint, I uh, I try to take a root cause approach to, you know, making improvements. So uh, I would say like diet and lifestyle are my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth um, lines of defense as far as shoring up or making any changes. Um, I'm really reluctant to go down the route of using pharmaceuticals, um, as much as possible. And like, even over the counter medications, just because I find that those are more like band-aid approaches often. And, um, and they often necessitate more band-aids because of the side effects that they can have in the moment or long term. Yeah. So, um, for me, I think, uh, I think that we're, you know, taking a looking for the root cause and trying to help support things at that level as much as possible is mm-hmm. uh, for me, what, what it, how I, I define how that way, but that's how I like to approach yeah. it.
0: Yeah. And so when you work with clients and they're coming in new to you and maybe you're yeah. doing your first, you know, big appointment with them, I'm. I don't know what it looks like if you do like a bunch of kind of like history taking and you have certain kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, do you, can you tell us a little bit about like the different buckets that you kind of look at your client, that you look at your clients through, right? Um, In order to formulate kind of like a big picture idea of what might be going on.
1: Yeah. So That's a great question. Um, So yeah, we start off with a health history and that goes through, you know, health background. Um, I ask about their parents' health. A lot of my clients have had a parent who died prematurely, Um, which may not surprise you. Uh, um, I ask what they ate as a child, like what a typical breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack looked like as a child. And then today, what a typical, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner looks like. I ask about, I to kind of like a, an assessment of their toxic load and I ask um, whether do they filter their water, whether they use conventional cleaning products, personal care products, things like that just to understand how savvy they are with mm-hmm. kind of what they're putting on their body and uh, like I said, just environmental toxins in general. Um, I do a day in the life. So I always, I work with people who are like, they. it really is a broad spectrum in terms of I've worked with um People who are in the healthcare space, I've worked with somebody who's the daughter of chiropractors, so like very, uh, you know, deep roots in natural medicine and natural healthcare um, and college, you know, former college athletes. And then I've worked with people who send me pictures of the first time they've ever made a salad. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a spectrum. So I, my goal is though, to always meet my clients where they are. And so that's why the day in the life is another like just really helpful way to like understand what their reality looks like and their starting point so that we're, you know, moving at a pace and understanding what's going to be, you know, practical for them. I'm trying to think, I'm sure there are other sections, but those are some of the big ones. Yeah. Um, We then, so that's kind of our first session. And then I also, we, maybe I should go a little deeper earlier. We do end up going into like, of early childhood patterns and sometimes we talk about trauma that comes up um i feel like it is more it makes more sense the way we do it where it just kind of as our relationship evolves we kind of go there um and then i also in our second meeting usually do something called the circle of light um and so this is this tool that i got from the coaching program i went through but this is this is People looking at to see it, so it's a wheel basically like a pie chart with uh, it's got joy, spirituality, creativity, finances, career, education, health, physical activity, home cooking, home environment, relationships, social life, and it's an exercise where you kind of dot where you are in terms of like your sense of fulfillment in, in those areas and then you connect the dots and you can kind of see what, you know, do you have a circle, do you have a big spider web, and that's a really, really powerful way of uh, speaking of the mind-body connection, to start to get a sense of where they might need to invest some time and energy. And um, I've had clients say that like people tend to really like enjoy the exercise, like enjoy the exercise, but I've had clients say, you know, I realize I'm not really in a good place to do the other recommendations you have, whatever, eating, eating a certain way, drinking my water, exercise, whatever. Um, I'm not in a good place to make those changes. My circle of life isn't in good shape. And it's yeah. totally, it's, I thought that was like pretty on point because that's that's so fundamental. Yeah. And I think that is what explains why there are places like the Blue Zones or there was a place called Rosetto, Pennsylvania. I don't know. As a Pennsylvanian, did you ever hear about that? No. Um. it's kind of like a blue zone in that they, it was, I think there was a place called Rosetto, Italy and a bunch of people from there migrated to Pennsylvania in the 1800s and named it Rosetto. And I think they worked in like mining in, excuse me, in Italy. And then they were doing mining as well in Pennsylvania. And um, somebody like a doctor, told a researcher that, you know, I'm seeing this is as heart disease was picking up a lot in the 1950s. He was like, I you know, the heart attacks everywhere, all this stuff. And uh, except for this one town, I'm not seeing the rates of heart attacks that, you know, what I, I forget all the metrics. But they, so they, they investigated Rosetto, Pennsylvania and thought that, you know, what are they eating? And it turns out they were eating meatballs fried in lard, They were working in mines. They had the occasional cigar, cigarette. Um, You know, they were not doing any of the things that we think of now as, like, the heart healthy, whatever. Um, But they lived in community and they had multi-generational housing and they had their own, you know, like, little gardens that they shared and they raised their children together. And they laughed and they had communal meals. and that amount of connection was so supportive and so anti-inflammatory that they didn't get heart disease, alcoholism, I think suicide rates, all of that stuff was far below, not just the national average, but even just like their neighboring counties. And they even went back to Rosetta, Italy and like did blood work on these people. Um, to see if there was something like, oh, this maybe this is a genetic thing. And it wasn't. Because once they started leaving and once that type of community broke up, everything returned to
0: like the natural. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. And um, it doesn't surprise me, right? I mean, we are pack animals. I, I say this all the time Do my clients. People need people. Okay. And there's already so much data out there supporting. We know. I mean, as as a psychotherapist we like we all know that people live longer and stay in better physical health when they have meaningful relationships yes and the people that tend to isolate and withdraw tend to experience more adverse events and more mental health Concerns. So, this all kind of supports all what you're talking about, support, supports all of this. So, um, really, really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, those are some of the kind of tools. Um, yeah. I, I heard that loneliness is uh, the, the risk to your health,
0: uh, loneliness is equal to smoking like a pack of cigarettes a day or something like that. To your point, that would not surprise me. So, I want to ask you. Who was Jessica Turney in her 20s versus who Jessica Turney is now before you kind of started putting together some of the changes you wanted to make in your life and how that has been so personally important to you and meaningful to you? Okay. Uh, yeah, and I will say I often start off my uh, my first session with my clients
1: because a lot of them find me through Instagram. And I, on Instagram, I'm sharing all my tips and living this healthy life. And I'm always like, just want you to know, I haven't always been this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in my 20s, I um, – let's see. I, I'll i start back a tiny bit earlier for the sake of the story. But I, between my junior and senior in York high school, I gained like 15 pounds. And uh, I started – doing like crazy, you know, bad diets, uh, none of which worked. And I probably did that very incorrectly because I just kept gaining more weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I was, um, not only s- struggling with my weight in terms of being hyper-focused on it and, uh, physically uncomfortable as a result of carrying almost 40 extra pounds. Um, I also was, uh, started to eat like kind of out of alignment or, you know, I was just less in tune with what I was eating because I was following something like the Atkins diet. And I like mm. distinct remember being at, a, I was like teaching at a tennis camp for a summer and I was at a cafeteria and, you know, everything's there because it's cafeteria. And I remember getting like serving myself tons of eggs and then getting like a big smear of like cream cheese on top. And like, I, was, like, I would never, you know what I mean? Things you would never think to do that didn't yeah. sound good to me, but I was just trying to follow this this plan, this protocol, and then I distinctly remember being at a grocery store buying like tons of sugar-free candy, you know, like stuff that I and just also shook I definitely had major sugar addictions like throughout uh, my life in the past, um and that stuff was full of I don't I forget what sweetener they were using in those, but I mean, it really upset my stomach to not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so it was like, it's this weird disconnect with like what I actually wanted to eat and, or I, you know, and, and like what I was eating. Um, and then I also at that time had, uh, I paid no, I just didn't think of at all about, um, what I was putting on my skin or on my body or chemicals that I was exposed to. I think, um, and you know, this is going back to the, the question about the differences between men and women, but I think another big difference, there's a psychological aspect in terms of um, a lot of times as women, like our introduction to thinking about what we eat or how we move our body, call it exercise, whatever, is through the lens of diet culture. And I don't think that's the case for men. And um, that's that was very much true for me at the time. It was um, – and, and a, a lot of these – like. Things I was tweaking or playing with with eating, like some of it was for. I'm, I'm from a family of like foodies. I I still I love food. I cook a lot. Like my blog, I mostly started off with like recipes. Um, but it, you know, it was the, the changes I was making was not were not through like a lens of trying to be healthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it was it was to like change my body in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, I smoked. Okay, I mean not a ton, but like socially while I was drinking um in college I um used tanning beds I took medicine for anything that was bothering me and then would go drinking on top of it so I mean I remember like this was more in my mid-20s when I was working like having a cold and being in New York on some like company event and like taking all the day and then like you know, going out for like Ugh. a full night of drinking, you know, like all this, like all kinds of things. Yeah. Taking Benadryl constantly to help me sleep. Mm. Um, there was a phase when I lived, uh, the first time I lived in Chicago in my early 20s around out of college where I suffered from such intense allergies. I remember like I sneezed like 20 times a day or four more. <laughs> I and mean, it was it was uncomfortable how much I sneezed from these indoor allergies. So I was taking allergy medication. So I was doing like everything. I was on birth control. Um, I was taking every doing every band-aid solution you think of. Uh. And that's
0: no and that's considered, totally. you know, normal. I mean, really? you know, and for, you know, maybe a lot of people listening, um perhaps this is like really resonating um because maybe some of them are like, yeah, that's me now still. <laughs> you know, and I I don't love it, but like I don't know how to like get off of this train.
1: <laughs> right, and it's yeah. really unfortunate that like when you go to a doctor for one of these issues, the answer is a prescription yeah, or yeah. a medication, Yeah, many of which are only designed for a short period of time, but there are tons of doctors prescribe medic like Miralax, you know, as an ongoing solution or something like that, which is, you know, you know, there are tons of examples like yep. that where it's, um, it should be a short-term thing. Um, or honestly, like, a like, things that from a more functional kind of, perspective i would deem as a red flag but you know a doctor might say like here's the solution um and you never end up going deeper and mm-hmm. so um i think that it's very understandable that a lot of people can be stuck in that place because you go to a doctor for help you're trying to be proactive about your health and
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: a it's a different mindset um, that you know keeps you kind of stuck in there. And sometimes things like, I mean, um, somebody very close to me has an autoimmune disease. And um, when we were talking about how that transpired and why they were, you know, high risk for that, they had a very long period of back pain and took Advil, um, which really, really can damage the gut. And they were taking Advil like every day And autoimmune diseases are often triggered. There's, like, a stress component and there's a gut health component. So, again, like, it's not all – it's, like, that's how sometimes, like, these Band-Aid solutions, like, they're – like, it's like a a vortex that sometimes, like,
0: gets you deeper and deeper into um, more. So what what was the defining moment for you then of when you were like, I can't – like, this isn't – This just isn't working and I need to shift something. And like what played into that to get you to go through this um, incredible transformation um, where like this, the way you live now just feels so much more um, aligned to your, Mm. to your, to your values, really. You know? Yeah, my values have change, you know, changed so much. Yeah, um,
1: a few kind of like defining mm-hmm. moments. One is when I met my hu- my now husband, in college. Um, while I, when I was very much in like, I mean, not taking care of myself mode. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know how we kind of ended up in this habit, but I think it was because he was, uh, he played a sport in college. And like the only time we had together was like around dinner time. Mm -hmm. So we started going grocery shopping together and making dinner together. And he was also about 20 pounds heavier at the time. And we didn't have like, uh, we were not on a diet. We didn't have a meal plan. We were just enjoying our time together and cooking real food. And we both lost about like 20 pounds just from doing that. So I don't even think I realized it at the time, how profound that was. But looking back, it was like a, huh, interesting. Like I'm less fixated on it. And like, so there's Mm -hmm. probably like an emotional, hormonal, psychological component to that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just eating real food and I'm not, I'm just, you know, back to kind of eating more intuitively what sounds good. And we were like just learning how to cook and having fun with it. So that was like one shift. And I, I don't think I ever really dieted after that. Mm. I, 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 I That was just pretty informative. Um, and then another huge shift happened when I was probably 26 or so. We were engaged, I think, around this time. And I went with a coworker. I, I used to work in tech. I used, uh, went to with a coworker to the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco and heard a woman in back career speak. And... Um, I don't, I, I can tell the story, but I don't need to like, I basically that talk just opened my eyes and was like a total wake up call of, you know, she had considered herself healthy and ended up with a huge tumor in her chest and, um, doctors who couldn't agree on how to remove it. And, um, there was a risk of being paralyzed because it was so close to her spinal cord. Like I'll, uh, cut to the chase. She went home kind of overhauled everything in her life and a year later the tumor was gone and the doctors called it a spontaneous recovery and she said there was nothing spontaneous about this i i did so much work and it just resonated with me because how she described her like she was a woman from Marin, which is known as a very like crunchy affluent um you know it's a, it's a the county north of san francisco um a place that she was like, you know, she probably ate granola and kale and yoga. Like she probably was doing like kind of the things that superficially we think of as healthy and um, was just so shocked when that happened to her. And I was like, oh my God, that, that could totally be me. Um, mm-hmm. And, and also made me realize like I have not given a thought to, I know necessarily whether or not I was eating organic. Um, and like just in terms of pesticides and, and chemical exposure, mm-hmm. I was, hadn't really thought about the my household cleaning products i mean the you know i i I thought about like oh my god like i probably like slather like three gallons worth of lotion on myself a year like you know what i mean as as far as like what your skin is soaking up so that was a huge turning point for me um and i realized i wanted to be a mom and i was just like all of a sudden kind of getting close to i always thought like in my 30s i want to have children and i was like oh my god this is the body that is going to create these babies and nurse them and grow them god willing like um So it just was this message that hit me at the right time. And that was the biggest, for sure, the biggest turning point.
0: What I also heard, if I was to like extract um, some of the themes that I've heard just in you answering that question, but other questions today too, and a huge reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because there's been a lot of, um, like you had a lot of intuitive hunches Along the way, you got these kind of like red flags um, in these moments, right, that maybe started out kind of small, right? Maybe they were like just outside of your awareness initially, but they started to kind of creep in one by one into your awareness and you became more kind of consciously aware, right? And then you intuitively had this hunch that like, ugh, you know, like what I'm doing now... It's not feeling so great. It's not working for me. Also, like you know, I I value starting a family, and I value like that's important to me. And I value wanting to have a healthy home to grow a baby in, (laughs) and I want to give my baby a healthy home. I'm talking about the home as the body. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, the original. So um, you know, again, it comes down to and this is what I talk about, not just you know today, but, but in all the work I do, um, values and how your intuition is really connected to your core values. Um, and when those values feel out of whack, when you're taking action that's not aligned to your value system, we start to experience physical effects. We start to experience um, anxiety, depression, sleep issues, weight gain or weight loss, Mm -hmm. all of that. And so there's so much intersectionality in the work that you do and the work I do. And I often sit with my clients and feel like, man, I wish I could have Jessica Turney in the room with me right now because I do talk all the time about mind body with my with my therapy clients and and with my coaching clients as well but you know it's really it's not just making these changes you know especially like for women it's not just cognitive it has to be holistic you also have to address what is happening in your body because they have a direct relationship with one another and your body will let you know if your mind is not being honest with you, yeah, and your mind has all sorts of brilliant defenses, right, and ways to rationalize, your body will tell you, right, right. right. So it's our job to listen to what our bodies are trying to tell us. So, totally yeah, agree. thank you. And if you had to tell women right now anything in terms of like simple, easy ways for them to impact positive change to facilitate their success in their health and wellness. Sorry, I know you're not a big fan of that word. These oh that's okay. It's <laughs> a great word. I used to use it all the time. It's just right. 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 You I know. know, I know. Okay. It's too much of a buzzword. But too much yeah. of a, like marketing has taken it over. It always does. It yeah. So like what are what are some of the easiest kind of like takeaways? That you, can, that you can share with some of our listeners. Okay. Um, so if you can't, like, go all in on
1: blood sugar balance, just that protein-centric savory breakfast will take you far.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: optimizing your hydration, and I think all the better if you can front-load it in the morning. Um, in terms of, uh, I think, understand, just the t- – uh, If if all you take away from this talk is this understanding of whole person health, that would mean the world to me, Um, that there is a very strong mind-body connection, and that in order to be well, you have to really think about your life holistically and pursue pleasure and do what you can to minimize stress. And sometimes those are more important. Sometimes going out with your girlfriends and having the glass of natural wine or not, whatever. Um, and, but missing your bedtime, like, so I've had that, that's been my homework for clients. Sometimes our homework is to like eat more protein. Sometimes it's like, I want you to schedule a night out with your girlfriends. Like sometimes that is more important. Um, so to understand full person health is, um, is a real thing and, and to shift the, your mindset in that direction. And then I guess one of the last big things I talk about with my clients is to get away from all or nothing thinking Yeah, I think that can really be the detriment to our well-being in so many ways as women particularly but um that is the key to long-term health it is a marathon so there is like just the super black and white thinking is um can be so negative and so restricted feeling
0: mm-hmm.
1: that if you can realize that you have to dance in the gray area and and live in the gray area and figure out where your kind of non-negotiables are um, but but know that whatever you're trying to do like it should be like a like I, I never want like um you know I don't do programs I don't want somebody to say oh I'm not just this three-month program it's like no you're I'm kickstarting a transformation for you is yeah. what I, my goal yeah. is yeah and a big part of that is is realizing that uh the programs and the oh, I'm doing a week of that or I'm doing a detox of that like honestly I think is is counterproductive and the sooner you can Figure out how you can
0: manage the gray area in real life the better. Yes, thank you, and that's. I think that extends to like everything in life, right? We have to. We have to have some general kind of guidelines for ourselves, but allow flexibility. Um, know the things you're non-negotiable on. But there needs to be a lot of flexibility. Otherwise, you're going to live a rigid life and be disappointed, or anxious, or frustrated when things aren't going according to your own idea of what the rules are. Right? So, and then yeah. you, then, then
1: then it's like back to like the loneliness and the high cortisol. Exactly. Exactly. I'm eating organic pasture raised, but I, you know, I have such an early bedtime that I
0: never can be out with my friends. And I, you know, so. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And I do just want to share with the listeners, Thank you me. know, in wrapping up that, I mean, Jessica clearly, you know, she is such a resource. Um, she's extremely well-read. She knows what she's talking about. She's also just a delight of a, of a mm-hmm. person to know and to, for me to call my friend. Um, sure. But she's, she's not just the person who makes these amazing, you know, Spreads and salads when she entertains or when she, you know, comes to other people's houses and brings stuff. But she also makes like delicious ribs, right? And she'll go to town on them. So <laughs> I will. Yeah. She's not just someone who, right, l- only eats salad. Oh, no. And she, yeah, she, she, she eats. She's real what I love, Jess, about you is you you're just mindful. You're mindful with like where it's sourced from. You're mindful, right? To make sure you're eating you're you're eating right from places that are both like ethically sourced well, whatever the terminology is. But um yeah, that there's not like the extra hormones and chemicals and all of that. Um, and if you're confident about that and you've done your homework, you are happy to eat it. So yeah, I, I just, I love that about you because you. it makes it so much more fun to hang out with you. It totally makes it more fun to be me. If anyone is interested in following Jessica, where they can do that. Um, and also if they want to reach out to you to work with you, where they can find you to do that. But just um, if you could tell our listeners here um, as well, that would be wonderful.
1: Sure. Um, I am probably most active on Instagram and I am at Californian on Instagram, K-A-L-E I-F-O-R-N-I-A-N underscore. Also mouthful. Wow. Um, and my um, my main website is jessicaturney.com. From there you can read my testimonials, contact me. Um, and then I also have a blog, Californian.com, but there's a, a link to that from
0: Jessica Turney. So with the perfect. Two me. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Jessica, so much. This has been a delight. And I know I have learned so much from you today as I always do every single time I talk to you. So uh, until next time, keep on shining. And thanks so much again. Thank you,
1: Jana. And I'm so happy for you. I love I'm so excited to listen to all your podcasts. Me too.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank Bye. you. Bye. If you have enjoyed the show and want to learn more, you can follow me at www.sheilluminated.com or email me with comments and show ideas at janna at sheilluminated.com. If you're interested in working with me as a coaching client, contact me at jana at jana And if this episode meant something to you, please consider supporting the show by taking less than one minute to rate and review the show. It makes all the difference in the world to help spread the word and it makes it accessible to wider audiences everywhere. You can also take a screenshot of it and share it with a friend or on your socials. Tag me, Jana Fuchs Coaching. And as always, may you walk through the rest of your day feeling just a bit more brightly, illuminated until next time.